This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the spring of 2023, We'll be studying chapters 12 through 21 of John. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and Amber Vaden is our co-host. Amber, thank you for being with us again this week. Thank you for having me. It's it's good to be here. Our guest again this week is Bob. Bob was with us to get this study started. We looked at uh, chapter 12 uh, beginning this quarter, and Bob was with us. And today we're looking at chapter 20. So, Bob, thank you for being with us again today as well. Absolutely, and happy Easter to everyone who's out there listening. This is our Easter lesson. We're going to be looking at John 20, 1 through 18, which is why we jump ahead. If you're if you're following week by week, you may wonder, why do we jump ahead? And we'll come back in our sequential study of John, but we're going to jump ahead because it's Easter Sunday, and we need to celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus on that this day. And so we're looking at chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Uh, We've entitled the lesson, I Have Seen, and the summary statement is, Jesus is a Resurrected Savior. Those verses, 1 through 18, we've divided into three ways. First of all, examine, second, questions, and third, witness. That statement, or that section, examine, looks at verses 1 through 10. In these verses, John told of Mary Magdalene's discovery of the removed stone from Jesus' tomb, and her running to tell Simon and the other disciple, which we can assume is John. Peter and John then ran to the tomb where they examined the empty tomb. The main point for us is that believers can challenge others to examine the truth of the empty tomb. Verses 11 through 13, we've entitled Questions. In these verses, we find Mary who remained at the tomb crying. Two angels approached her and asked why she was crying. Mary answered that someone had taken the body of Jesus, and she did not know where they had taken it. The main point is that people can take their questions to God. The last section, verses 14 through 18, which we've entitled Witness, in these verses, we find Jesus joining Mary at the tomb and questioning her, thinking him to be the gardener. She asked him to show her where Jesus' body had been taken. When Jesus called her by name, she recognized him. Jesus instructed her not to cling to him, but to go and tell the disciples that he was ascending to the Father. Mary found the disciples and told them about her encounter with Jesus. The main point for us is that believers can tell others about Jesus. Here we are looking at one of the most studied passages Uh, the resurrection, and it's a little bit different in this account than it is the other accounts, which is true of almost all of John, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But how can we help teachers deal with the differences in how this event is told here by John and comparable when we compare it to the other gospel accounts? So the illustration I've always used, and I may have used it on the podcast before, I don't know, uh, maybe last Easter, I don't know if we talked about some of the same stuff, but the illustration I always go to is uh, kind of harkens back to my background as a, as a journalist, as a, as a newspaper reporter, as a sports writer, um, is imagine that you are a, uh, a sports writer 
covering a big game, NCAA tournament, national championship, World Series, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so you, you've you got your certain audience for your paper, your newspaper that you're writing for. And so they have certain interests and they have certain uh, they have certain ideas and things that they want to know about. But sitting next to you may be uh, a guy from the other team's paper or there may be an, a guy from a national newspaper like USA Today or something like that. Or there may be a whole maybe a social media person or something like that. All four of you are watching the same game. All four of you are writing about the same thing, but each of you is working from a different perspective and each of you is catering to a different audience. And to me, that's the, that's the explanation of why you see so many differences in the gospels. It's not that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John were, were heretics. There were one of them was a heretic and only one of them is the truth or, you know, somebody left out some stuff that, that is vital. It's they understood their audience and they understood what they were trying to do. So for John, his primary goal was to identify Jesus as the Messiah so that people would come to believe in him. So what parts of the of the resurrection story are going to be most helpful for him in getting that message across? It's going to be different than what Matthew what Matthew would have shared because as much as I love Matthew's account of the resurrection, he was writing to Jews. And so they were going to be caring about something completely different. Mark had a different audience. Luke had a different audience. And so each of them were going to focus on different things. None of them are inaccurate. None of them are wrong. Each of them are, are, are pieces of the puzzle. And that's why we need to study all four of them. But, you know, that, that's, that's to me, that's sort of the, the, where those differences come from. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an illustration that, that works for me. And it helps me. It helps me understand that and explain it a little better. Yeah, when we talked about this, this before, I think uh, when I was in college, there was a two newspapers in Dallas, and um, I would get both of them because you would get two different perspectives on the same mm -hmm. event, and it right. was as I say, you got a clearer perspective. So it, it, you see that here in the gospel accounts too. Yeah, they're not really fighting against each other. They're working together to give mm -hmm. you all four of them give you the whole, or at least. A more of the whole picture. I don't know if it gives you a, a very little thing. John said that Jesus did so many things that all the books in the world couldn't hold it. So, so there may be things that we still don't know. But as far as looking at the Gospels, we have everything that God believed we needed to know uh, about the resurrection. But you have to get them across all four Gospels to understand it. Yeah, that's a helpful. That's a helpful explanation, Bob, of how. Um, of the four different gospel writers and and how we benefit from all that. Uh, so here's our next question. Uh, in verse eight, we're told that John believed. Uh, what what did what did it mean? What did he believe in verse eight? How should we understand that? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to go back and, and kind of understand where John and Peter had come from. They were they were in hiding. They were they were locked up somewhere and. And at least Mary and maybe some of the other women who, who the other gospel writers let us know were, were there at the empty tomb earlier in the, in the morning, you know, came to them. So they ran to the tomb and uh, they they saw what they've been told, that the tomb was empty, that, you know, the grave clothes were right where they left them. It's, it's not like somebody unwound the body and took it somewhere. Uh, it, it's, it was almost as if the body had moved out of the the grave clothes. The head wrapping was was laid somewhere else, neatly in a different part of the of the tomb, and so 
you know, the, I'm not sure they quite knew what to believe at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, and, and, and John didn't go into a lot of detail. I think it is interesting that John tells this as part of his account, as part of his gospel account, that, that he's the only one that shares this part of the story where, where Peter and John ran to, to the to the empty tomb that morning. So uh, that tells me that it must have been significant for him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't exactly say what he believed. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe, you know, chances are he understood that something something supernatural had taken place. This was not a case of somebody robbing a grave. This was not a case of a, of a mistaken location, which are, you know, two of the primary uh, explanations that non-believers have of the resurrection is either either somebody stole the body or somebody or they just went to the wrong tomb. Um, I, I think John understood that this was a miracle. Uh, that that something he he probably didn't understand it all. I don't think any of the disciples really understood it all until much later. Um, at least until later that night when Jesus appeared to them and they kind of got a glimpse of it themselves. Uh, but even into the to the ascension and, and to into Pentecost and in the early church days, I think they were still learning exactly what what this was all about. But I think John wanted the people to know that hey, this was a watershed moment in my life. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is where I started to believe. I didn't understand it all, but I was willing to take it by faith to see where God was going to lead us and where God was going to take us from here. And, and belief is a huge theme in John's gospel. He plays on that word constantly. Uh, not just here, but throughout the gospel, he talks about yeah. believing. And so John says, if you want to talk about belief, this is where it really started. I've seen all this other stuff before, but this is where I really, really started to to understand a little better and started moving toward a faith in Christ that I have now. Can you imagine John sitting there writing about that experience? Um, and I see tears in his eyes. Maybe. Oh, man. And then he said, <laughs> this is this is it. This is when it happened. I yeah. believed right here. And yeah. you mentioned he may not have understood everything. And I'm sure his understanding was much more complete when he wrote this gospel. Sure. But that didn't diminish that at that point he believed. And it was based on what all he knew at that point, even though he didn't understand it, which when we're teaching this lesson, that may be important for us to keep in mind. There are folks who think they can't believe or become a believer until mm-hmm. they know all the answers. Mm-hmm. That's not true for John. And so if it wasn't true for John, it shouldn't be true for us either. We don't have to know all the answers to be able to become a believer. I mean, just think about your own, your own experience as a believer and that moment when you first believed and how theoretically that should motivate us to share the mission. should, should share the story. That's, that's what our, you know, our, our impact statement is for this, for this lesson is, you know, we ought to be able to tell people <laughs> about it. That's part of this part of it. Um, but, but, you know, that's, that was the part that really changed for John. That was the transition moment in his life. Uh, and yeah, you're right. We can, we can certainly apply that to our own existence as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, in, it's interesting to note that Jesus had prophesied prior to this about his resurrection. Um, but it, even still, the disciples did not did not fully seem obviously seem to connect these teachings. Which I think, well, isn't that a good a good reminder to us that it, it even for us understanding biblical principles and scriptural truths, it might take a minute. It might it might take a bit for us to fully uh, understand exactly what God is saying and and to look back and go, okay, but now I see. Um, so I think it's a 
tells just a little bit about as as humans <laughs> how how our understanding is just going to grow uh, as time yeah. goes by. Yeah, I sure hope we don't have to have it all figured out before Jesus will take us. Yeah, you know, before, that would be, before that he'll would accept be us, that's bad. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I'm still one got a long who, way to go. One person who doesn't obviously have it figured out at the first part of the story is Mary. Yeah. In fact, she confuses Jesus with a gardener. Um, how did she not realize it was Jesus yeah. at that point? I mean, that's a that's an interesting piece of this story. Yeah, I, th- you know, scholars have kind of talked about this, and, and commentary writers and teachers and, and such. And some of them they make valid points. You look at it from a very human perspective that if she was, if she was crying, we know she was crying. We know she was mourning. We know she was weeping. And the the, the Greek language there is is not just shedding a tear because you're sad. It's it's just grief. It's anguish. It's you know she was beside herself. And so if you're in that if you're in that kind of state of mind and and you've got tears in your eyes, you may literally not see very clearly. And so that, that might've been, that's what some folks say might've happened. Uh, others say she might've just taken a quick look at, and you kind of knew somebody was there, but didn't really pay attention to who it was. And we've all done that before, right? We, we all have this, this sense that someone is, is standing by us or standing behind us. And we don't really know who it is. And when we turn around, we're, we're surprised that it's somebody, you know, it's a spouse or it's a kid or it's, you know, it's a friend or somebody that we, we weren't necessarily expecting. <laughs> yeah. And and some say, you know, maybe she had some kind of supernatural, uh, for lack of a better term, supernatural blindness where, where she was not allowed to see. Uh, kind of like the guys who were walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They, for some reason, they didn't see Jesus. They didn't recognize Jesus for who he was either. So maybe it was something like that. And all those could be true. Uh, I, I don't know. She's but, not unique in that sense because of no, like the Emmaus experience. No, but I, I think I think part of it is that she just wasn't expecting to see Jesus there. I mean, she thought the body was gone. <laughs> and she, so, had last, she had last seen him uh, being killed. I mean, so. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't he was probably the last person in the world that she expected to come up and start talking to her in that moment. So, you know, sometimes when you don't expect that, uh, you're not expecting to see someone. It, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't connect with you, especially again, if you're, if you're really grieving, if you're really emotional, if you're really uh, in a, in a state of, 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 of pain and anguish that, that she obviously was. Um, but, you know, it's, it also kind of explains why she wasn't that, she wasn't that impressed with the angels that she saw either. You know, they showed up and said, Hey, why are you crying? And she just kind of talked to them like they're ordinary fellows. But yeah, I just think that was, it, she was thinking from a perspective of her, her worldview in the moment. And it did at that moment, a living savior, a resurrected Christ and angels just weren't part of her, her paradigm. And so it, it took Jesus taking an extra step with her to, exactly. to figure that out. So we know everything changed for Mary when she heard Jesus say her name. Uh, so what does that tell us about uh, finding Jesus in the familiar? What what is um, what does that teach us here? That is probably my favorite part of the story, Amber. Is you know one little word and it all changed. You know, just Mary. And and, and who doesn't love to hear their name called by someone that, that, that loves them, someone that they love, someone that they. Uh, or just someone they embrace is, is, is just different. And there was something about the way he said her name that, that kind of lifted the fog that 
give her more insight, that gave her more vision, and she was able to identify. And the cool thing is, for me, as I look through the different gospel accounts, this is not the only time that happens. Uh, I think there's at least a couple other situations where Jesus used something familiar, something that people would have understood, people they things that they would have related to him. He used those to help them understand better. For instance, we talked about the guys who were walking on the road to Emmaus. They didn't see until Jesus broke the bread and blessed it from the meal. There was something about that that helped them understand. Uh, I love I love the story where Peter goes fishing. We'll talk about that in a few weeks, uh, where Peter goes fishing. And, you know, he, he this guy, they're not catching anything. And this guy on the shore says, hey, why don't you try the other side of the boat? <laughs> and they did, and they get this great. And it's like, oh, wow, where have I seen this before? And he, you know, he clicks yeah. and, and, and somebody says, hey, that, that's probably Jesus. And so, you know, and even when, when, when Peter comes back to the shore and starts talking to Jesus, you know, Jesus calls him Simon. He really hadn't called him Simon since he first called him. So, you know, it, it's, it's all these little things where Jesus meets us in the familiar. And I think it's a good reminder to us that sometimes we think that there has to be bells and whistles. There has to be lightning and thunder. There has to be some kind of, you know, Charlton Heston kind of voice speaking from the mountain or whatever that uh, some of our younger ones or younger listeners are going to have to Google that to figure out what we're talking about. But but there has to be this incredible experience, uh, this 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 supernatural transformational thing. But a lot of times Jesus just speaks to us right where we are. Mm-hmm. And meets us right where we are, and in in something that we do every day, and I think that's wonderful. That's yeah. beautiful. I love a savior who does that. Exactly, and and, and in her moment of pain, I, mm-hmm. part of me. I mean, I don't know this, but I'm like, did did he did it move him that she was so upset, and did he want to comfort her? And so I I think certainly he is very personal. He's very personal with us. Well, you think about how personal a name is to begin with. Exactly. Uh, and and when you address somebody by name, you're also, in a way, giving them value, expressing to them that you think that's important for you to at least know their name mm-hmm. and to use that name. You mentioned using the name Simon instead of Peter. There's a strong significance in that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But him him using her name here, uh, it reminds us of the personal nature of our Savior as well, yes. which is important for us to keep in mind. One of the things I really like in this particular study is how we've, how the group plans encourage us to conclude the lesson. It, it, it directs us to ask, what objections do people raise to the resurrection and how can we respond? And then it gives us seven facts, broken Roman seal, the empty tomb, large stone being moved, Roman guards being gone, empty grave clothes, the appearance of Christ in a woman uh, who saw him first in a culture where women's testimonies were usually considered invalid. And those seven things. And, you know, you also have changed lives of the disciples, the existence of the church. There's other things you could point to. One thing you may want to do is just share those seven things with the group and then ask him to add to that list using some of the things they see in today's passage, but also the change lives in the disciples is an example in the existence of a church is other things they could add and just remind them of how those things all combined speak to the validity of the resurrection accounts uh, that, that 
even the existence of the church points to that because uh, this is a event that's pivotal to the to the existence of the christian church today amber are there any other teaching ideas things you would point to uh, out of this study there is one uh, in the leader guide. It, it offers an option for a Bible <clears throat> skill, and it suggests breaking into two teams to compare the experience of Mary to that of Peter and John and to really um, take a take a deeper look at verses 1 through 18 and record how each, each of them approached the tomb uh, and kind of looking at their motivations, expectations, the emotions they expressed, and their reactions. I think that's an interesting way to really um, dig deep into these into these verses and see what were the people that were there. How what do we learn? <laughs> what do we get to learn from them and about them? And so that's kind of an interesting uh, Bible skill. It could be done. You would you would want to watch your time on that and give. Um, a set amount of time and and then ask each group to choose a volunteer to report back and to share what they what they looked at but i think that's an interesting um an interesting teaching skill that could be used here and one thing too i know that there's some churches that will not have sunday school on easter sunday or bible study groups on easter sunday that does not excuse us as leaders from encouraging the folks in our group to at least examine this passage that's why it's so important that we provide um, personal study guides or daily discipleship guides to our group, to everybody in our group, so that they can still study, even if we don't meet or they're not able to meet. Some will be, some will be traveling, seeing family, those type of things. So that that uh, is a way for us to still encourage them to study on an individual way, an individual level, using either the daily discipleship guide or the personal study guide. We can send emails and things like that uh, to them as well. Hey, here's a key thought I had while looking at this. And that would encourage them to take a look at Bible study on that individual level as well. Bob, any other key thoughts or ideas you would share before we go today? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Number one, this is the evangelistic <clears throat> lesson. So I think uh, we need to remind folks that if they are meeting, as you say that some of them may not, but if they are meeting, use this as an opportunity. It's also one of those Sundays that people just, you know, actually, I saw a post on Facebook that says today is accidentally find your way to Sunday school day. And so <laughs> maybe on Easter, maybe that's what it is. is people are going to be there that wouldn't ordinarily be there. So this would be a good opportunity for a leader to take a look at the, the plan of salvation on the inside cover and kind of prepare a, uh, some kind of gospel presentation. Let the folks know that you're, available to speak to them about that afterwards, because this could be a, a great opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, one other thing from the text that I think folks might have questions about, it's actually a, a question, I think, in our, in our personal study guide, is, is this idea of, of clinging to Jesus, because Jesus told Mary, don't cling to me, because I haven't gone to the Father yet. Um, and so what in the world does that mean? Um, <clears throat> I think there, there's a couple of different ideas. One is, uh, he, I don't, I don't know if there's anything supernatural or something weird about it, but it, it's one of those things that she wanted to grab hold of him. She wanted to hang on to him, but he had a job for her to do. He wanted her to go and tell the disciples. He wanted to go and share her to share with them what she'd experienced, just as he had done earlier in the day. And so 
it's good. It's a good reminder for us that it's 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 really cool to hang out with Jesus, to cling to Him sometimes. But He also, part of our relationship with Him requires that we go out and that we we follow His directions and we obey Him and then we share the message. That's very helpful. Very helpful to think through that. I would remind our listeners that in the inside front cover of every resource is a overview of the plan of salvation. And you can use that, particularly on lessons like this, where you may have guests provide that resource to them, walk through that if they need to know more about how to become a believer. I use that as a tool that will help you share with the folks in your group, both those who are there every week and guests, how they can become a follower of Jesus. Amber, you have any reminders for our listeners today? I do. So from time to time in the podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family, uh, like the Leader Pack, the Adult Commentary, Quick Source, and others. Uh, you can find out more about all these resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebible.com. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you join us again next week when we look at Session 7. Uh, We'll be looking at John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, and chapter 16, verse 7 through 15, when the Spirit comes. And I think Tim Pollard's going to be joining us for that session. Bob's going to come back, be with us in a few more weeks. So, Bob, thank you for being with us today once again. Sure. We will look forward to visiting with you all again next week when we look at session seven.